Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good in our world. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us over the airwaves, (laughs) and you've already heard him, is Paddy Flynn, the very keen Paddy Flynn. How are you doing, Paddy? I apologise. I thought we were going to do some sort I listened to too many podcasts. I was going to jump in with my own thing and we were doing a three-way introduce ourselves. Yeah, no, strict control. Paddy Flynn, Global Lead for Systems Intelligence Unit. So Paddy is the Global Lead for the Systems Intelligence Unit. He does not follow instructions. And previous to this, he was the Head of Product Enablement at M Analytics and Head of Knowledge for Medicom APAC. And before that, Head of Business Science for Medicom Asia. So before we go into those roles, how was it moving from an Asia and an APAC role to a global role, Paddy? Um, beneficial in that my titles got less silly, <laughs> given one was head of knowledge, which was ridiculous. You know, the suggestion that doesn't exist everywhere. Um, well, now, well, now you're head of intelligence, though. <laughs> I know. No, I'm the global lead of the unit. Okay. I was. That was my own push on that. So you can call it whatever you want, but yeah. You're not head of all the intelligence. Yeah, exactly. That resides in the organization. We're simply supporting and helping to curate and organize. Point take. Um, yeah, it's been interesting, for sure. I was in Asia for 10 years this time. Previously, I'd spent about two years there. Uh, God, that was almost 20 years ago. Um, but past decade in Asia. So definitely different coming back. Some changes. But in the professional sphere... Cultural, uh, community, personally, yeah. Um, but the big changes you, you you barely notice. It's probably the little things. Like, up. for example, do you want work? W- work examples would be in APAC, right? <clears throat> in Asia in general, the pie is always growing. Right. Yeah, there's huge amounts of growth. Lots of pie. Lots of pie. So it's hugely collaborative, right? and it's often about how much work and the diversity of work you can get through and how much you can handle the ambiguity and the change mm-hmm. and get through that. Um, but everyone, even as a colleagues or people who might be of the same cohort, I can see in the juniors as well, you don't see as much, comp- sorry, there's someone going past with a trolley. You don't see as much competitiveness, if you will, and there's a lot of collaboration and support and, and, and teamwork. Now, that might just be my own perspective and how I see the world has changed. Being I mean, we hope that's Mediacom culture anyway, right? That people help each other rather than that people get on by helping each other up rather than sort of climbing over each other. But yes, that, absolutely. So I'm, I'm talking in general. So I'm in general. with publishers, with vendors, so with, with, with people clients. outside the company. Yeah. Yeah. So as I've come here. It's, you know, there's good and bad and everything. Competitiveness right. is a good thing, right? In many ways, it. it, yeah. it yeah, sure. It, and the benefit also I see here is that there's very much because the pie is defined in Europe. Um, there's comp- competition for roles, and people in those roles really, really, really are on their brief. Yeah. So there's professionalism and yeah. is, is elevated. So I'm it's not, more not, about matter expertise, yeah. depth of knowledge, yeah. um, competence and confidence in talking about that. I mean, competition keeps you on your toes, right? Yes. Um, give us a personal example. Obviously, you can get a better cup of tea in. Um, no. My no. Better, yeah, my better cup of tea is in Asia. In Asia? 
Ah. I love green tea. This is I'm drinking our typical cup of tea. I think this is Barry's. It's fine. It's a a British concoction, right? Mm. It's milk. Yeah. It's black tea. It's proper tea, yeah. Builder's tea. It's it, I'm used to high quality green tea. Would be my choice now. I, and, I, a tea, and a tea ceremony, presumably. That would be Japanese. I mean, and it's also tied into whole you know Zen Buddhism. But no, but a nice cup of green tea. I do start every day still with a cup of green tea. And then I move on to coffee and then on to builder's tea, as we call it, for the afternoon. Um, uh, sure. I could talk forever about anything, so please feel free to put hands on so me. G- no, g- give, us a, g- give us a personal example, then, of, of something that has shifted in the time that you were away. Oh, God. Um, Shopping. Yeah, I, I, there's so many things. Uh, the other thing is communication styles. Okay. I find that in APAC people wouldn't you use emoticons because a lot of people don't have you know English isn't their first language yeah yeah and it can be very easy to to misconstrue and confuse so emails are often kept simple and emoticons are used I like listen I love I think we underuse emoticons I'm I'm a big big lover of emoticons and gifts in fact I think I think I realize it takes bandwidth but I think uh you know a gift more gifts um Right, let me bring you back to back to oh, your I'll, role then. So, I'd more, um, more to say, but don't oh, worry. Go on. No, go on, Paddy, go on. Emoticons and... I think here... But people would never write anything to you in APAC that they wouldn't be willing to say to your face. This is my experience. Yeah. While I do find... And it's not, I get it from my... You know, it might be the management company of my apartment building. It might be, you know, the person with funny apartment. It might be my tax consultants, people will write stuff, I find, that they would never dream, certainly in the British sense of, you know, being quite polite, would never dream of writing. And I found that kind of, whoa. I mean, if I felt that way about something or something was such an issue, I would just organise a, a call. and, and Maybe it's missing an emoticon to soften it. Yeah, to soften it. <laughs> but again, maybe that's my interpretation thereof after being in Asia so long and seeing smiley faces everywhere. Yeah. Um, tell us what the unit does, Paddy. That is a good question. Right. So probably easiest thing for a listener to kind of get their handle around it would be that SIU is the merging of what would have been historically our insights function, yeah, and our business science function, and our data strategist function. Mm-hmm. So they are all interrelated and indeed it's you know it's a bit of a how should I put it it's a spectrum rather than specific buckets across these things particularly as we're now seeing the merging of the online and the offline worlds so that's part of the reason we needed these units to coalesce and because a lot of our products span at least two if not all three of those areas and more so it's very much about making those units stronger and more how should I put it cross-pollinating, interdependent, very much singing to the system, right, a systemic approach rather than a siloed approach, but also to make it easier to navigate for our account teams and our clients Uh, because it can be quite confusing if you were to, you know, oh, do I need to go to business science for econometrics or do I need to go to this person for for brand discussions or what do I do about first-party data? And you could end up having similar and related but parallel 
conversations. It's very inefficient and you don't get the most from any of them. So better off. This is much better. Yeah. Much more real world, in fact. Exactly. Exactly. If I was to be self-critical of us and having grown up in in particularly the business science side, but then having worked in, in all three eventually would be that we were, we were, we have been based on the methodology used by the individuals in that unit, right? So their preferred research method. Is mm-hmm. it primary research? Is it surveys and so forth? Or is it, you know, econometric modeling? Or is it first party data? So it's mm-hmm. more based on the specialism of the individual mm-hmm. as opposed to with the service we deliver to the client. So it's a reorientation. We keep the specialism. We keep that wonderful knowledge. We're just reorientating how it's accessed and provided to the client. So, so it's, it's rather than, you know, uh, the thing that sometimes is said of, um, uh, certain agencies, which is, um, right, the answer is a 30 second commercial. Now, what's the question? So rather than saying the answer is econometrics. Now, what's the question? It's what's the question and how can we best arrive at a competitive advantage for the client and some creativity exactly. in terms of uh, solutions, which makes perfect sense. So how do people work best with the business intelligence unit? And what's the most important thing that people need to think about? With the systems intelligence unit? With, a, uh, with a, any business intelligence, but it, specifically it, here, the uh, systems <laughs> intelligence unit. Okay, with any specialism, it's the same. And I'll give a very, very simple analogy. And it's the people who fall into this typically are the smartest and the most senior people, right? But this is a simple way to say it to them. Would you go to your doctor and say, Oh, I've got a pain here. I need this drug and that surgery. Just go do it for me. Or would you come in and say, I've got a problem. This is how it's manifested. Allow them to ask you some questions about both that and maybe what you think might be unrelated, but it turns out they might be, mm. like could be lifestyles or whatnot. Mm. And then they will make the conclusion and the recommendations about how you proceed to resolve that. That's how you would, and, that, and we all do it naturally. Okay, you trust So it's much more holistic. Holistic and consultative and allowing, don't go in there with a solution, don't go in with a defined problem, a defined solution in your head. Go in there and be willing to openly share what the challenge is, why that's there. And of course, we mightn't be able to do, often if they're, you know, a smart and experienced, yeah, what they're saying might be, you know, mm-hmm. part, a good part of the solution, it might not be everything. But also maybe there are things they weren't aware of or additional things we could do, new and interesting things for so forth, or cheaper, faster things we could do. So I would say keep an open mind, try to brief them on the problem and the challenges and the ideal end state, and then see what they come back with about how they would help you get there. Now, I would observe that that requires quite a lot of behaviour change across the company in two ways, actually. Firstly, for the people in your units to refer to each other, and reference each other and bring each other in, which they haven't been used to doing. But also, media commas love to know the answer before they introduce a question. I mean, it's 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 quite hard to shift that. I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, when you go, no, it won't definitely be this. It won't definitely be an econometric survey. Then they go. Then then there's some uncertainty. How are you going to achieve that behaviour change? Um, Good question. Good question. The future is here. It's just unevenly distributed, if I could use that hackneyed phrase. Yep. Yep. Um, 
one of the biggest changes, right? So internally with the teams, a lot more cross-functional meetings, a lot more cross-functional briefing that wasn't there before. They're incremental changes. The biggest change is what's happening on the account teams. To date, we have had insufficient resource of this type on the account teams. So often, and we've probably talked about this before, Sue, whereby, and I won't get into the whole lengthy story about how it probably got us into a bad position sometimes, and we're, we're, we're fighting fires. Even on the account, there will be things they want to do. They will have assumptions in their own understanding. Yeah. And what are essentially esoteric areas and have, you know, reached conclusions or be, you know, having several conversations, ongoing conversations with the client and they'll arrive at, oh, we need a DMP or we want to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then almost after the fact, the team is brought in or part thereof. And it's almost that we have to do six impossible things before breakfast. A lot of, you know, people who are really at best dilettantes at worst, you know, just trying out of good intention, trying to answer clients' questions, probably talk themselves into a, a corner. And then, you know, it's not going to be ideal for us to try and deliver on the project, not ideal for the client. Easiest way to do that. Yes, training's part of it. Yes, there's a longer term talent. How should I put it? Reorientation. The quickest win is we're putting people in the accounts. And it's a big thank to the presidents out there who are funding this and working with commercial and finance and talent and us to get those people onto accounts. We've already placed four people. I have more coming. If anyone's interested, come talk to me, whether you want to be one of those people or you want one on your account. The people we're putting in... Shout out to talent out there. <laughs> exactly. Come come pro- approach me. Paddy.Flynn at Mediacom.com. Um, T-shape very much because yeah. they will probably come from one yeah. of the specialisms. And that could be... They could be econometrician. They could be a, um, a research analyst or a research person. They could be a data strategist. They could even be someone from programmatic and planning. I'm I'm okay. Right? I'm agnostic about where you come from. It's more about where you want to go and the capability you display. You have an ability through experience or, or, or learning to talk the other components, right? So you know what you know, you know what you don't know, and you know what you need to learn. And you will sit with the account team, essentially, as soon as these, you will see opportunities that they do not, they do not, do not see to sell stuff to clients or provide services. But also, as these conversations bubble up, you will be there to help guide the conversation to, in the right direction. Also, these people are not islands unto themselves. They are the spokes into the account teams. The hubs will remain. Jeremy Griffiths will be there. Catherine Days will be there, right? That expertise, that the Owen Wilsons will be there. That expertise you need at specific points will always be accessible to you. So your job as that will be managing those conversations, helping to lay out, okay, what is our learning agenda? What is our data strategy? What is our analytics and measurement framework? What else are they trying to do in the account? How do I support that? working with the GADs in aligning and fleshing that out, then owning the delivery of that and pulling from the hub in terms of resource or expertise when required. In addition, they are at the call phase in front of clients. Mm -hmm. They'll know what part of our product and our services are landing Mm -hmm. on what aren't, but also they'll know where we have gaps, where you know there's there's something new coming from a competitor or the client's got questions and we don't have an immediate answer. There will be forums for that feedback. Outside of it being at the client side of that kind of, you know, cutting edge for, for new products. So number one, solving and improving our product with our existing clients 
also understanding where we've got gaps for our new product development. Even within the hubs right now, we have the expertise. They, they are at the cutting edge, if you will, of what's technically possible. Stuff yeah. bubbles up from there as well, right? So that's another part of new product development and, uh, and service development. However, we also need extension to Group M, and that's just been kicked off with Group M Data and Tech. I sit on the board with Vincent and, and Matt. And then the fourth extension, if you will, to outside is third-party vendors out mm-hmm. in the industry. Mm-hmm. That's myself, David Beale. Or we have relationships in the industry. Mm-hmm. Every quarter, we have people coming in talking to us, showing us their latest and greatest. Okay, what can we use, not use, and so forth. So the idea is elevate our product with these plants, if you will, Represent to my idea, these people will probably be the planners and strategists of the future, mm-hmm. right? They're a prototype for now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then right. we've got a two-way street, hopefully, where we're providing them what they need, and they're feeding back to us. You know what gaps we have, what improvements we need to make, and we're also have got our fingers in the rest of the organization and the industry to know where's the latest and greatest, so we can keep iterating, keep improving. Sounds really exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, it sounds exciting. In this hotel, the day to day, it's lots of lots of ma- lots of managing your calendar. <laughs> yeah. I just want to recognise the. I think there's a reference to Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy in there with the uh, six impossible things before breakfast. Um, Is that where it came from? I no, thought it was, that's uh, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, yeah. Is it not the 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 slogan? Yeah, no, the White Queens. I think I can't remember if it's a red. I think it's the White Queen says to Alice that um, she always does six impossible things before breakfast. I think Alice says that's impossible, uh, and the, the white queen goes, but I do six impossible things before breakfast. So Douglas Adams might have nicked it, but um, it's uh, Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll gets it off. To the, the restaurant at the end of the universities, if you've done six impossible things this morning, why not round it off at, with breakfast at Milliways, the restaurant at the end of the universe? But anyway... Um, talking of something new. Yeah, it's my favourite story. Um... What are your thoughts on how economics has become, you know, it's quite sexy now with free economics and books and podcasts about it. How, how do you feel about that? Sexy? I think, <laughs> I think it was sexy pre-2008. Um, <laughs> oh, what a put down. Aren't we all? Ouch. <laughs> um, I, so my background was originally chemistry, science, hard science. No one did economics. Um, when I was in doing my master's in research in economics, it was definitely sexy, if you will, although I was doing very unsexy stuff. Bond flows from the EU15 to the new EU members, really boring, honestly. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely was at its pomp and height of its power, shall we say, right? Um, 2008 came along um, and probably, you know, Again, the person who's the non-expert will think it's all economics. Really, it was a financial thing, which is separate. That, that's a, one particular area. Nothing. Um, Nicholas Teller basically yeah. gave the economists a big kick, didn't he? Yeah, the, the black yeah. one and other. And he's absolutely, absolutely right. And I think probably what he's really kicking as well. Even so, one thing I was going to say about that is there is a mis. People have misconstrued that finance is economics. And if they understand it more broadly, they think that one particular school, which is the Austrian school, Hayek would be one of the most fa- famous proponents of that, which is all about free markets and, you know, the the, the man who's only concerned about with money, if you will. That, that That is all economics. It's not. You've got fashions in economics like you have everything else. There are s- several different schools, right, and they have different ways of thinking. So a lot of the criticisms that came out 
uh, post-2008, well-meaning as though they were, again, to, for me, was a bit kind of... At best, I would say they were dilettantes and missed a few things. At worst, I'd say they were in, you know, purposely missing vast sections yeah. of economic literature just because it benefited their narrative. To make the point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so d- definitely, I think they're aware that they have to be more open. Um, but also, one of the things that got me, and I used to kind of, when I, when I had the, I managed to maintain that teenage righteousness, I'd say, mm-hmm. into my, definitely my late 20s and probably my early 30s, where I would kind of rant, thinking it made a difference that, but it was true, the impact it was having. For example, in Ireland, where we had a terrible housing crash, um, or a crash in the house prices on the back of the 2008 financial crash, um, they had people on the radio, right? Every freaking radio show, drive time radio, whatever, had on an economist. And now we've got an economist, right? Yeah. They weren't. They may have had some sort of qualification in economics. They worked for a bank or a building site or whoever. They were a PR person and a salesperson for mortgages, right? And there was zero questioning by the supposed, you know, I mean, RT, who's like the BBC, right, for Ireland, zero questioning of these people and their motivations for being on. It was just, oh, yeah, people like economics will have someone come on and give them free airtime for 20 minutes. Same with the newspapers. One of the main broadsheets, they, they were completely reliant, their business model, on housing advertising for house sales, yeah. right? So they were all complicit. Then all of a sudden, it all goes through the floor, and they're like, start questioning, going, why weren't the bloody economists telling us? It's like, well, each academic economist said it, and they had it in numerous papers mm-hmm. and in their conference. You just don't bother covering it because you were probably a bit lazy. And you were also making money, and your very big salary was being paid for by these adver- this advertising. So once I kind of think they realized some of that, there was a bit of a dampening down in the criticism of it as a as an academic area of, of research, research, shall we say. But absolutely needs to change. Um, I would say microeconomics is worth understanding, which is kind of the economic stuff. Yeah. Macro is at best, at at best, I wouldn't even call it science. It's right. Well, it's, as as one would expect from a head of in systems intelligence, you're saying rigorous and challenge, be challenging, be rigorous, and be nuanced. And and, and that's what that's and, the 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 problem always with data is what people do with it, right? But also what people think of it. Everyone thinks that if you give them a number, it's correct. Everyone thinks that GDP is a real number and that it exists. It's a formulation. And they'll fool you into, it's not the statistician's fault who combine it. It's probably the the people who want you to believe in it as a number. They'll say, oh, yeah, economic growth is going to be 4.2% this year. Or maybe 4.25% this year. Not this year, it won't. Not this year, it'll be down. But they're giving you very precise numbers. Yeah, yeah. And it's precision to pretend it's accurate. Yeah. Right. It's not. And also GDP, it's not a, a summation no. exercise. It's 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 a survey. Right? They can't count everything. So well, they do their best to get a good number, but it's a dipstick. That's all it is. And it's particularly poignant at the moment when a lot of the numbers that are being talked about are the numbers of people who are sick and people who have died from COVID-19. And they're being compared from country to country. But the measurements country to country are incredibly inconsistent incredibly inconsistent yeah. I, I i think that's a, it's a very timely point to make it's people's lives and like anything for this the best way and I've, t- I've got a family member in the medical profession their point is that you won't really know 
until kind of six months from now when you compare what it would normally is the death rate, yeah. what it was, and yeah. that generally is the... Right. Because some of them won't be direct, they'll be indirect because they couldn't yeah. get the medical service they required or, or whatnot. Yeah, no, I I've, I was listening to something about that this morning, actually, which is you know, excess death rates that are all yeah. diagnosed from COVID. Exactly. And let's change the subject a bit. You're, you're, you like mentioned that you're, you're from Ireland, you're back in Ireland at the moment. Yes. Um, um, sounds lovely down the south of Ireland. But what's next for you? Personally, travel, work. How do you mean next? It's a very expansive question. It's your choice of answer, Paddy. Next, right. Uh, I'm definitely going to try and get a holiday in. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, I'm so lucky to be where I am. I'm on the edge of the national park here, the largest national park in Ireland. Of the mountains and lakes. There's oh, you should send us a picture to post with the podcast. I will absolutely have yeah. tons. I can yeah, send you a brilliant. ton of um, And I've been getting back into my photography a little bit, so which has been great too. Um, there are wonderful circular walks starting here or near here. Several days. You can do weeks and weeks if you would like. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take two weeks off, probably for at least a week of that. It would be... Myself, maybe my brother for some part of it, and a mate for another, and I'll be tramping as the as the uh, Kiwis like to call it, my tent. And you'll stop off at a small village, and you might stay in a B and B, or you might camp and get a pint of Guinness and a sandwich in the local pub, and off you go. The pub's open. Just open now. So very restricted, but just open. Yeah. But it'll I'm be mainly sure walking in nature. It's almost impossible to imagine that you wouldn't be able to get a pint of Guinness. Somewhat. Very, 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 and people really adhere to the lockdown. I think part of it is because I realise coming back again, somewhat with outsiders' eyes. Yeah. It's a small country with a small population, and community <laughs> ties and bonds are very strong. So when people think that they're doing it for their elderly neighbour or parent, they'll yeah. tend to adhere. So I think adherence was quite high. So on to our regular questions, Paddy, that we ask every person so we can compare and contrast. So can I ask you what your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book is, please? This is the one where I wish I had more time. <laughs> is that, that favourite for now, favourite <laughs> that comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be a, an epic answer as in favourite of all time. But I wrote, uh, so while, uh, just before I came on, I went to, cause I, I, on my Evernote, I've got a section for quotes, and when I come across an interesting quote, I'll kind of tag it or whatever for myself. But the ones that first came up are work-related, and then the final one is, I'm sure I read it somewhere, but it's one I say to myself whenever I have a trying conversation, be it interpersonal with, you know, certain family members who you love them, but... You can get each other's goat from time to time. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the work and then we'll go into personal. So we're going. The work Paddy, ones. I'm going to warn you now. I'm going to ask you to choose one of these. We're very strict on this. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Give us all of them if you want and then edit it down. People are interested. Okay. There's the typical one, George Box, just to remind people, all models are wrong. Some are useful. Ties in with the GDP. If you're looking for maximum number of points... Of differentiation, we can cut that out because that's going to be covered on the whole GDP. It's not really a number. Um, on marketing, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, be it Tim Ferriss podcast and all that, a lot of people are obsessed with what the best people do, right? And you mentioned about Freakonomics and, and Stephen Dubner. It was actually on 
Tim Ferriss's podcast, you know, whatever it's something Titans or something, it was great that he brought it up. He said, um, you know, people are obsessed with the expert. By nature, they're probably not repeatable, right? However, yeah. it's better first to avoid doing the terrible things or than trying to do brilliant things. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people they're doing terrible things while trying to do that one perfect, right? Avoid the terrible. Uh and the final piece for me was timely, given what I've been dealing with this morning. And I love saying it to myself because it's, it gives you the kind of zen or stoicism to step out of it and step out of myself and stop being part of the emotional hubbub of the conversation. Go, okay. And the question I ask myself, do I want to win or get it done or whatever it might be? Or do I want to be right? Right? Not all the time, but often they're mutually exclusive. Yeah. Right, so do I want to win that argument, or do I, do I want to get what we want to get done, done? And that's what it is. It's kind of just leave it go. Yeah. So if you want to yeah. There's actually what I'm here. There's probably a nicer way of saying that was because I brought it up. My thing, and I think someone said this, and it was written by. It's quite soft. Do 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 something about. Um. Ah, well, okay. It was Haruki Murakami. Mm -hmm. Always remember that to argue and win is to break down the reality of the person you are arguing against. It is painful to lose your reality. So be kind, even if you are right. Should we leave it at that one? Very good. Okay, my favourite question. If you were a genie... What five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? And Lord knows we need magic circles to get face to face with anybody at the moment, don't we? So I struggle with this, but I just kind of well, probably because I overthink most things. I just wrote down a friend. No. A beer. You can't have a friend because oh. they have to be commonly available. A good so, meal. Um, huh? A good meal. A good, good meal. Good food. You can have a good meal. good meal. What would that be for you? I've been loving being back in Ireland. I must say, after living in Singapore and then now in London, where you're living in places that have got very long supply chains for food, mm -hmm. you forget what fresh food tastes like. Mm -hmm. So when you're here and it's all just being farmed around, the quality of the fish, the meat, the vegetables, the fruit, fantastic. So right now I'm eating relatively plain, certainly compared to my usual mm -hmm. heavily spiced Asian food. Um, but a good meal for me is high quality, perfectly cooked, and only seasoned where required. Fine. So a meal and some beer. Some beer. Or wine, a fine, a fine, oh, yeah. a fine okay. wine. Uh, a good book. You're gonna give us a. a Oh, am I going to choose a good book or are you going <laughs> to uh, yeah. I, you can have a specific book I think as long as it's commonly available specific. Yeah. Um, book is it a book you haven't read if people are looking for a tip I think the book is called if I remember it correctly it's short stories it's called We Do Nothing or We Learn sorry We Learn Nothing by Tim Crider I think I'll follow up I'll right. follow up with the with the specific okay. name. Been a while since I read it. If if you're looking, I've got tons you're of right. book recommendations that people are looking for them. That's it. We learn nothing but Tim Crider essays yeah. and cartoons. 
There we go. Um, a challenge. Oh, that's very. That's <sighs> oh, very conceptual. How I mean, do I, I put could, that in a circle? I could put a gauntlet. Yeah. We could get a gauntlet. A gauntlet, yeah. and I could I could fling a gauntlet down. That's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Okay, so all that's right, four. Four. that's four. Four. Good. I would then, if we can put a friend, I would simply put a device that I could talk to a friend upon. There you go, a phone. A phone. A phone. Right. We'll, we'll allow that. Well, that was, that was uh, complex. That was, yeah. Uh, most, most, most people just go Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> uh, Paddy, what three items, what things in your house are giving you comfort? right now uh, assuming that we're socially distancing and they all people and pets are excluded because we know they're nice my it's not my i'm renting a temporary stay apartment but the cooker if you will mm. kitchen cooking i'm really really bad mm. cooking i'm enjoying it it's a creative outlet and you've got fantastic ingredients the little yeah it's tactile it's wonderful really enjoyable love that um my running shoes I really miss when I don't get out, mm. and particularly because I'm, you know, th- there's the benefit of fitness itself, but also, again, I'm so lucky where I get to run. Yeah, it's so absolutely stunning. Nature is very soothing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I'm I'm near a park, which is again, it's just walking in the woods or something. Yeah. To the point, I'm I'm thinking I need to move when I get back to London. Yeah. I'm in the hub above of everywhere, Islington. It's lovely, but I think I need to be beside a big park just yeah. for. That access yeah. to nature and hearing the birds sing. Yeah. It's kind um, of too, I should probably change it. I had my bike down as well. I've got my mountain bike back out, but we'll see. I've talked about my my camera. I mentioned he will not that. follow rules, will he? He will not no. follow the rules. No. That's Here, good. Something I do have at home. Yeah. The v- Actually, I should put this down. The view. Ah, uh, yeah. I've got a wonderful view right now. I'm looking at the hills, and I can see when they're ba- when they're baked in sunshine. I can see little pathways. Yeah. I remember from a child up to them. I can see water running down, and when it's cloudy or misty, I've got wonderful drifts of mist coming off the hills and whatnot. It's beautiful. It gives me a little wow. bit of relief. Yeah. Hey, we are going to give you the power to um, change the industry in one way right now, immediately. How would what would you like to do? Pay. Our young people more and promote them quicker. Done. Yeah. And Thanks. if we were to give you a billboard, where would you put it and what would it say, Paddy? Where would I put it? I'm going to. This is the one I didn't get to, and all I had was. I think it's been said before, but I agree with it, and I would steal it a little bit. Um, I think this person was just going to write down "breathe," but mine would be a bit more. Prescriptive, which will be take a deep breath, count one, two, three, exhale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would put it probably somewhere where COVID's a little bit different, but anywhere you're going to have people in their car or on their public commute and they're just stressed, either anxious and stressed going to work or anxious and stressed coming home about something to just to give that bit of release and yeah. a bit of a hug virtual hug to yeah uh, Paddy there's one question you can't prepare for there's a there's a random one from Proust's questionnaire we're using so if you could give me a number between 1 and 28 I will ask you the question and you can answer to finish us off 
27. 27 is what is your biggest regret? Oh my god. That's, that's a bit dark, isn't it? Um, you know what? Maybe when you're a little bit younger, you regret. But thankfully, I'm at a kind of stage in my life that I realise all of those little decisions are the things that make you anyway. And often, they led on to mm-hmm. bigger and better things. You know, often I think my biggest successes or things I'm most happy with have turned out in my life were on the back of something I was trying to achieve that didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so be careful kind of what you wish for. Um, so no regret. I mean, probably what I'll say if anyone's listening, all I've ever really heard and seen is that on their deathbed, no one regrets saying I wish I spent more time in the office mm. right yeah. so my regret is you know or not what, something I try to remember I do not want to be regretting that I didn't spend enough time with friends with family with nieces with nephews particularly with older ones now yeah. that, I, that, that, I, that I with that time cherish if I do regret I regret the times that I got short tempered or impatient and we're all human you have to forgive yourself but mm. if they're, you know, they're the only things that I wish I would do less of but it is what it is Fantastic, Paddy. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, cool, guys. I think we've got 15 minutes back and all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care. There Thank we go. Guys. Thank you, guys.